Our scripture reading today is from Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Do people ever complain in church? How come some of you are being sarcastic right now? Don't like the question? You don't like the question, right, thanks. So actually, I think people start complaining before they even get to church. Take a look. Jesus, I am late for church. I'm just going to speak this parking spot into existence right now. Just name it and claim it, Jesus. Oh, for heaven's sakes, use the crosswalk. I, okay, I have the fruit of the Spirit, but y'all need to move. Ooh, she is going to wear that into your... Bounce your eyes. Bounce your eyes. Jesus, give me a miracle. I need a ram in the thicket. I love this church. It's just like, come as you are. You know what I'm saying? How do I look, though? Does the jacket go with the shirt? Oh, good Lord. Guests, single parents expected mother who doesn't have a parking spot these days i have been here 27 years i deserve respect oh yeah go ahead take my parking spot she listen she probably needs jesus more than me honestly <laughs> use your mirror how long does it take to back out of the jesus give me strength this is so str honestly there better be coffee there better be coffee <laughs> y'all are gonna make me park in a handicapped spot oh look there go the homeschoolers i swear if somebody took the last jelly donut i will don't make me get out of the oh, move hey, are that you on the ministry team not today okay oh you're gonna drive a lexus okay i know where your treasure's at not in heaven the sermon <laughs> series is what putting others in front of yourself oh this doesn't apply to me 
I mean, for heaven's sakes, move out of the road. Look at this truck. Where are you going? A church or a Trump rally? Finally found a parking spot 15 minutes late. Oh, it is way too cold out here, but you better bring a shuttle or I will watch this service online. <laughs> I just thought, I, I'm just having fun, sorry. I just thought that was fun. But I think about, you know, that attitude of, of complaint and the culture of complaint that we, I think, live in, not just in the church, but I think uh, in, a, in our nation, in our culture. But I think about that. It is, part of that is because we have to live with other people. Today we're talking about a life of community and looking at Colossians. And what Colossians has to say to us about living in community with others. And here's the thing. There are no perfect communities and that's part of it, is that there are no perfect people, there are no perfect communities, and yet we, so we have to be in community, so God says you need community. In fact, we all recognize that we need to be in relationship with other people, we need friendships, we need community, and yet at the same time, sometimes it's difficult to be in community with people, because especially if you've got a guy like that who's always complaining about everything, that becomes hard and difficult to deal with in the community. So I think that that Paul tells us some things this morning about what we're to do individually and corporately to be in community and to live a life of community. But I want to point out the very first verse of Colossians chapter 3 sets the stage for the whole section there. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 3, 1. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So what Paul is saying is for community to work, for us to be in Christian community, the first thing is to set our hearts and to set our perspective from where Jesus is seated. And where is Jesus seated? Where is Jesus? You, I just read it. I just told you, right? Right? You with me? Stay with me. Forget about the video. We're in the sermon now. But we, we're, it's seated at the right. So what does it look like to have a perspective seated at the right hand of God? Right? You know, my wife and I, I don't know if you've seen my wife, but, and, and my, my wife and I standing next to each other, but she's 5'4 and I'm 6'1. And we share a car. And so there are mornings I will go out to get in the car and I'm like, you know, trying to cram myself in there because the seat's all the way up and it's all the way jacked up and I can't get in the car and my knees are hitting the steering wheel. So I got to adjust the seat, right? I got to adjust the seat, I got to move it back. And then we have a manual thing, pump thing on the side. And so I've, I've done this enough. It's 17 pumps down to get me. And so, right? So, so I have to do this. And so we, every time, and so when she gets in the car, she's got to get in. She's got to move the seat up, and she's got to crank the seat up 17 times, right? So we have this constant thing going on, you know, back and forth as we share this car. But I thought about that. What are we doing when we adjust the seat? What are we doing, each of us are doing, so that we are sharing the same perspective when we drive, right? That's what we're doing. Paul is saying, as Christians in Christian community, we have to share the same perspective. And what is our perspective to be? Seated at the right hand of God. That that is our perspective. And so you and I have to make some adjustments. Some of us have to make more adjustments than others. <laughs> Let me put it that way, right? Some of us have to make more adjustments. Some of us have to pump 17 things. Or maybe some of us have to do maybe just three times. I don't know. It depends on who we are and what it is, right? But for us to be in community, we will have to make adjustments so that we all set our perspective the same, seated at the right hand of God with Jesus. That's the perspective for Christian community. 
And then Paul launches into his lists. If you've ever read the Apostle Paul, he likes lists. And I would divide his lists up into this. Those things that we need to personally do, us individually, the things that we need to adjust about ourselves. Adjustments that you and I need to make. So the first question, and then there are some corporate adjustments we need to make as a community. But first of all, what are the personal adjustments we need to make? Well, my first question here is this. What are you wearing to church today? What are you wearing to church today? And I'm not asking about your clothes. Because where are What's supposed to be set, what's supposed to be adjusted, what's supposed to be at the right hand of God? Our hearts. So my question is, what is your heart wearing today? What did you come in here wearing today? What is your heart attitude? What was that guy's attitude? What was his heart wearing as he drove to church? You see what I'm saying? What is the attitude, what is the attributes that you are carrying in your heart as you come to worship today? What are you wearing? Because I think it's either... Filthy rags or a tuxedo, right? I mean, that's what Paul's talking about. He's saying, what are you clothed with? What is your heart clothed with? What are the attitudes and the attributes and the virtues of your heart? And what, are you, what is in your heart today? What, if, if God were to look at the heart, which God does, God doesn't look at the outward appearance of us. God looks at the heart of people. What would God see in your heart? Filthy rags or a tuxedo? Well, let me explain what the filthy rags look like, because Paul says there are five filthy rags that we're to take off and actually burn. That means strip, that, basically Paul's saying get undressed. Heart, get your heart undressed. Take off these things. He says sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Notice these are all inward desires that basically Paul says you're supposed to put these things to death. You're to get rid of them. You're to take these things off of your heart disrobe your heart, undress your heart, and you burn these things. You get rid of these filthy rags in your life. So that's the inner stuff, right? And notice that those are things that would destroy community, wouldn't it? Notice those are desires that get in the way of relationships. Notice those are desires that get in the way of community and do damage to relationships, those inner desires. The next thing, the next list Paul says, is that, but furthermore, he says there's five more things you need to take off. There are five more filthy rags that you need to take off. And he describes them in a very, I think all these go together. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy, another way to translate, or abusive language. That that is not the way we talk to each other in community. Because what does that do? That damages, again, that damages community. That damages relationships in community. And now it's not that... Paul deals with this subject of anger all throughout the scripture, but, you know, I think a lot of our culture of complaint, right, probably is coming from that place of anger or frustration, right? And so part of what Paul is saying is part of that you have to get rid of, that maybe there's something going on inside of you personally that you and I need to deal with in terms of anger or rage or malice, slander, filthy language, abusive language. And basically, there's, these are outward, also outward expressions of anger. And I, I know there are two forms of anger expression. There are some folks who fly off the handle in anger. They're the rage, right? Thank you for the confession here. I've seen hands go up. They're like, I'm ready to confess, Pastor. Good. Um, but, it, you know, we fly off, right? We just go off, and it, it's a rage, it's, it's anger, it's an outburst, and so we fly off. But I think uh, the other way that we express anger is more like it's, it seeps out. You know, those are the passive aggressives. And I think I, I run into those more in the church. 
because we, 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 we think we have to be in community, right? We have to be Christians, and so what we do is we, we stuff our anger, and we, can, we pat it down, and then it just seeps out like toxic waste out of our lives, right? And so I, I can't go back to the video this morning, right? When he's driving around the parking lot, he's like letting out, right? He's got his rant going, right? How does he behave when he gets in church? I don't think he does that. I mean, he's got some other videos, by the way. Go check out his videos. He's got other videos about the church. But, but I think, you know, we could be like that in the parking lot. And then we come into church and we're like, oh, how are you this morning? Good to see you. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You know, I'm, good. I'm just joy, joyful, right? And you're really not, right? That, that, that's that's, that's passive-aggressive. That's leaking out. And then we leak out anger by going and complaining to other people and and speaking slander about other people and never really addressing the issue. And that's what we do, you know, sometimes in the life of the church. We leak it out. We don't burst it out. So it's, the problem is not anger. What Paul is saying is how you express your anger is important in the community. How you deal with it, how you communicate, how you're in relationship with one another, and how you can do that is important. And it has to do with your heart. It has to do with what you're wearing in your heart. I was um, pastoring a church, and one day a sermon I thought was halfway decent, and I'm standing at the back of the church, I'm greeting people as they come out, and I didn't realize that this had happened, but I forgot the Lord's Prayer in the service, and we were supposed to have the Lord's Prayer in the service, and I forgot, you know, it won't, it's not the first time, and it won't be the last time. Just, just warning you, I will make a mistake. So I'm out shaking hands, and he is seething. He's not the, I'm going to like seep it out guy. He's the, I'm going to let it out guy, right? So in front of all these people, he comes up to me, doesn't shake my hand. He says, you forgot the Lord's prayer. How about I forget to give to this church? And I was like, whoa. And I said, well, I did? I didn't even realize until that moment. And I said, I, you know, I didn't realize that I missed it. Sorry, you know, I, that's my fault. You're right. Sorry, I missed it. And then he said, well, and then he just kind of said a few more things under his breath, and he stormed out. I thought to myself, whoa. And, you know, then all the, what, what's going on inside of Matt about community, right? Ha, ha, ha. So you get defensive, you get angry yourself. Now, really, that's really just, and then everybody around is just kind of like shocked, but everybody kind of did one of these, you know, like, <laughs> you know, that's Christian community for you. Yeah, that's right. Um, but I, I thought about it, and the more I thought about it, and then here's the other thing I had to do was pray about it. And I actually confronted him later that week. And I didn't confront him and say, what you did was wrong. You never public. You should never publicly humiliate the pastor. <laughs> I didn't do that. I went to him and I said, "This, are you doing okay?" Because what I saw Sunday didn't remind me of you. It wasn't you. And then he began to just unpack. It had nothing to do with the Lord's prayer. It had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with worship. It had to do with some other stressors in his life that he was dealing with, that he was wrestling with. And it was like he came to church and all he wanted was the Lord's Prayer. And even that didn't work out for him. 
And what I found out was that there were other things going on in his life, and he was able to say that, and he was able to articulate that, and he was just upset about something else totally. But think about what that did to community at that moment. Had I responded differently, think about that. That's community, folks. (laughs) Because if I had gone to him and said what I wanted to say or to go off, but rather I started with a question, and I checked it out. If he had come and said, well, I, you know, if it had been, a, it might have been a different conversation, right? And we might have had a different conversation. But in that moment, God worked because Matt put himself on the back burner of community. He said, my relationship with you is more important than my ego. My relationship in community with you is more important than you being right, me being right, or whether or not we say the Lord's Prayer in church. There are things that are more important. And so we have to take off that stuff. (laughs) And then Paul says, now that you're undressed, now that you've taken all this stuff off, here's some things to put on. Here's some things to put on. He says, these are, we want to put the tuxedo on your heart. We want to put the new suit on your heart, the new dress on your heart, the new outfit on your heart. And And he says this, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. These are virtues that are are to be in our hearts as we interact in community. And so really, you, you don't hide anger. You actually have to get rid of and kill anger so that you can love, so that you can be compassionate, so that you can be kind and humble and gentle and patient. And then Paul actually says one more thing. You know, if you've ever gone Uh, to get a new outfit, and you get all the accessories, you get the shoes, you get the tie, or you get that handbag, or whatever whatever your outfit is, you're getting ready to go to someplace special like the right hand of God. And you're getting ready to go, and you're putting all these things together, but there's that one piece that makes it the outfit, right? The one piece that brings everything together. You know what I'm talking about? Can I get some help from the fashion police here today, right? Any fashion? You know, you just got to have that one accessory or that one thing or that puts it all together. And, or for guys, you know, going to get a tuxedo, it's the jacket. You put the jacket on, right? And it brings it all together. And Paul says this. What, what does Paul say? He says, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect, in perfect unity. Right? That love is what is to be guiding it, all of it. So even, think about this, even my anger is to be guided by love. Put that together in your heart. Take your anger and say, what would it look like for me to love this person who is difficult, complaining, whatever it is? How does love act here? They may be wrong. They may be out of line. They, may, they probably are all those things, but how would love act and respond. Sometimes it's confrontation. Sometimes it's a question. Sometimes love acts and does, and because love is the driver. So that's what we're to corporately do, to be in community. There are things that we personally have to get, uh, get out of our lives and things we need to take on. But all throughout chapter three, we actually see also things that we corporately need to share. And we corporately need to do as a community, as a whole community. And I would say these are the five values that are required for a life of community. Why are they important? Because we're imperfect. 
Remember, we're dealing with imperfect people. Remember that? Are you, anybody here perfect? Anybody? Anybody here found the perfect community? You, everybody's hands should have gone up just now, right? You know, you have, no, really. No, I'm, I'm kidding. That's what I mean. But personally, where there are no perfect communities. There are no perfect people. So there are some practices there are some things, some values that Paul outlines here. And the first one I would suggest is in verse 9. He says, we don't lie to each other in community. We, we don't lie. But do we? Bill Hybels uh, was a pastor of Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago, Illinois. Mega church, one of the big leader churches. Taught leadership summit every year. Bill Hybels recently stepped down from the pulpits, he resigned early before his retirement because of inappropriate, alleged inappropriate behavior. And I haven't followed the story since that happened. But some of the snippets that I read about the story and what was going on was, I, I thought about Bill and I thought, you know, here's a guy I'd put up on a pedestal. Here's a pastor I'd look to for leadership lessons. Here's a, here's a person that, that often I wanted to emulate. And other people wanted me to emulate, by the way. And I thought about that, that pedestal that Bill was on, that the church had put him on, that the world had put him on, that we had put him on, and Bill wasn't perfect. And I thought about that. Why did he struggle? I think, you know, I don't, I'm not going to share all my opinions, but I think here's what he struggled with because I know the struggle, I know you know the struggle, is that he wasn't perfect, but he had to present himself as perfect to the world, Right? He wasn't a perfect person, but he had to promote this image of perfection, right? Do you ever feel that way? <laughs> right? And so you had to promote this image of perfection. Isn't that a lie? Isn't that a lie that we tell in the community? It, Paul says not to be that way. And in fact, if we were to experience true community, we'd have to stop that lie, We'd have to be able to confess our sins to one another and be truthful about ourselves to one another. And I'm not saying with everybody. I don't mean come up to the front of the church and confess all my sins. But what I'm saying is that we need people in community with us that we can share the truth about ourselves where we can, don't have to be perfect. People that will love us and forgive us no matter what. We need that kind of community. The other thing in verse 11 Paul says is we don't label each other in the community. Barbarian, Scythian, Jew, Gentile, circumcision, uncircumcision. He's saying there are no ethnic labels here in the community. There are no social labels here in the community. There are no status labels here in the community. He just says Christ is all and in all. That is the only identifier in the Christian community. All these other labels that we own up to and label ourselves or look at others or label others are gone in the heavenly realms where we're seated at the right hand of God. From God's perspective of the right hand, if our seats are adjusted correctly, we don't see labels. The other thing he says, this is so important for community, really important for community. If we're in a community of imperfect people, then verse 13, we forgive each other. Because there are going to be times when people make mistakes. There are going to be times when people don't get it right. There are going to be times when things are not perfect in our eyes. There are going to be times when someone will maybe even do thing, something that disappoints us. Probably they will. Forgiveness. Who do you need to forgive today in your heart? You came in this morning with a heart of anger, frustration, slander. Maybe there's some abusive language that you wanted to let fly. Maybe it's time to forgive. Forgive. 
Where is forgiveness in community? It's so important. Verse 15, Paul says we're called to peace. We are to promote and work towards peace in our community. That may mean, going back to that, what I said a little earlier, is that mean, may mean that I've got to set aside my need to be right so that I can honor my relationship with this person. So I have to maybe let go of some of my, my, my need to be right and correct and, and the right per, you know, have the right answer, right? My answer is better than your answer. I have the right answer. You have the wrong answer. We may have to let go of some of that ego-driven stuff so that we can seek peace in our relationships. And that in community, we honor relationship over being right. Isn't that what God did? God looked into the humanity. God looked into our lives and said, you're not living the way I want you to live. And who's right in that particular scenario? God. God is right. (laughs) And yet, Jesus was sent into the world to do what? Make peace with us. While we were yet enemies of God, Jesus came for us. While we were wrong and God was right, God still sent Jesus to make peace. Even, but God didn't stay up in heaven and say, I'm right, you're wrong, humanity, I'm done with you. That was not God's response. God's response was, how do I make peace with the people who won't listen? How do I make peace? And the last thing that Paul says, which is not, liter- is not in the text, it's in the Greek, but I would say it this way, we sing grace in the Christian community. We sing grace. If I were to literally translate the Greek here, it would say this, with grace singing in the hearts of you. With grace singing in the hearts of you. What is that? So what's in our hearts? Grace. What's in the heart of Christ sitting at the right hand of God? Grace, mercy, peace. You there yet? Have you made the adjustments? Have you pumped the seat up enough? Not higher in your ego, but more humble so that you can see grace? I love that idea of singing grace because what is grace getting something you don't deserve we deserve death we got life we deserve judgment we got mercy we deserved we deserved to not be loved but we were loved deeply and with grace filled love man that's the way God works and that's the way Christian community works that's what it is So is grace singing in your heart today? (laughs) Because that's a community I want to be a part of. I was at the garden tomb in Israel on a trip with pastors, 20-some pastors. And you would think that pastors would know how to sing grace. I'm going to tell you that was not the case. We had traveled together through Israel. We were on a tour to learn about the Holy Land. I was so looking forward to the trip. And yet I found this group of pastors, some of them were not able to get along. And I remember thinking, I, I, this, isn't, this is not what I expected, right? I'm like, I thought we'd all have this great time together. So 
community was not quite there. I expected it to be there. It wasn't there for a variety of reasons, maybe a lot to do with Colossians chapter 3. <laughs> Culture shock too, maybe. But I remember at the Garden Tomb, we were going to celebrate communion. And a couple pastors came and they were leading the communion service. And we're all standing there in this circle at the Garden Tomb. And we're going, I would say this, this is how I would describe it. My We were just going through the motions of communion. You know, it's like asking plumbers to go do a plumbing project on their vacation, right? You know, asking a pastor to do communion on their, you know, it's like, you know, so we're just going through the motions of grace, we're just going through the, the, all the things that we're supposed to say and supposed to do. And it was kind of like, can we get this over with so we can get on to the next thing? So that was where I was. But across the way, across the garden area in Israel was another group. And they were singing. And they were smiling. And they were Korean. And singing in Korean. I could not understand a word of what they were saying or singing. But there was such joy and grace over there. And I still remember this moment. And I remember standing there with a group of pastors celebrating communion. And they were over there celebrating communion. And there was joy and there was grace. And they were enjoying each other. And I thought to myself, I want to go over there. I don't understand what they're saying. I don't know what they're doing, but I want to go there. <laughs> Folks, when it comes to the church, I want to go there. I want to be a community that sings grace <laughs> and love and peace and humility and kindness and gentleness. That's the community. Don't you want that too? Isn't that the community that God calls us to? <laughs> To sing grace, no matter what language, because it comes from where? The heart. Let's pray together.